All right, folks. Just like when you go to Worlds of Fun, you all need to strap it in today. All right? It's going to be a wild ride. I'm super excited to teach this message today. So uh, we're going to start in Psalm 103 in the message translation. Verses 1 through 5 says this, O my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I'll bless his holy name. O my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, every one. He heals your diseases, every one. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. We are always young in his presence. Now, last week, Justin talked about this, that time when, when God is going to restore the earth, okay, when the world that we live in is going to be restored to its original glory, all right, but he's not done there. And so today, I, I'm thrilled to share with you the good news about our restoration as well. So John Eldridge, in his book that we've been kind of going through along this series, All Things New, he says this. He says, how else could we enjoy the fierce beauty of a renewed creation unless we too are renewed and made strong, stronger than we ever were here? How could we possibly play in the fields of a new earth or fulfill our roles in the kingdom of God unless we are, well, glorious? And that makes sense, doesn't it? Now, my mom had a knee replacement a little over a year ago, okay? And I didn't really know much about that procedure at all. What was really kind of humbling was that one of my old Young Life kids did the surgery. That made me feel old, okay? So, uh, but the process was just unbelievable to go the very day that her knee was replaced and then watch her get up and walk was just like, wow. I mean, science is just unbelievable, right? So artificial hips and knees have kind of become this really amazing blessing for folks um, who maybe have started to lose hope that they're just going to live in chronic pain the rest of their life. And so to have this opportunity to uh, get a new part, a new body part that alleviates a lot of that pain is just a pretty awesome thing. Now, imagine getting every single one of your body parts getting a replacement for every one of them, okay? Completely restored to the best and most vibrant version of yourself. Can you imagine being 70 and just getting a whole makeover, right? It kind of reminds me of one of my favorite TV shows from the 70s. You guys watch this for a second.
70s graphics, right? How many people, how many people have never even like remotely heard of that show? Or just like, what are we talking about? All right. I feel like God's up there in heaven. He's like, we can rebuild him. We have the technology, right? Better, stronger, faster, right? Wouldn't we all like more of that? So many of you guys know that I coach cross country and track over at Central. And, you know, back in the day, that was me. My sophomore year at Liberty High, running for the Blue Jays. Pretty handsome fella, I must say. I even made, you know, a 5K, the death of a 5K look, look all right. So I was a pretty decent high school runner, all right? But now at 50, it's a little bit different, right? Because now, like, my, my fast pace was like, you know, the easy day back in high school, right? To run what used to be an easy day, like maybe 7, 7.15 pace for miles, like, I'm moving pretty good today if I can do that. That's a workout for me now, right? So um, when I was in high school, college, I used to be able, even though I was only 5'8", I could, I could reach up and grab the rim. Pastor Bob had some ups, okay? I'm just saying, right? That ain't happening anymore. Hasn't happened for a long time, all right? When I, when I lift stuff, my back hurts now, right? I can't hear very well. My, my hair is, you know, it is what it is, right? So needless to say, I long to be Bobby Miller, circa 1986. I mean, that would be just for a little while, you know, just to remind people of my previous glory, right? And here's the deal. I'm an able-bodied person complaining about the aches and pains and the diminishing, you know, returns on kind of growing old. And a lot of you guys can, you know, at least some of y'all can relate to me a little bit of kind of wanting for my old self to come back. But can you imagine the longing of people who are kind of stuck in these bodies that are dealing with disease or paralysis, um, gosh, arthritis, amputees, people confined to wheelchairs their whole life. Can you imagine the longing and the expectation of a restored body for them and what that must be like for them to dream about? I mean, that is unbelievable news for them, this, this crazy hope that we have in Christ and the restoration of all things. And Christ was our forerunner on this whole process, okay? Isaiah 52, 14 says this, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So this was a prophecy written in the book of Isaiah 700 years before Christ's crucifixion, talking about what it was going to look like for Jesus to be on the cross to say he was going to be so beaten, so bloodied, so disfigured that you wouldn't even recognize who he was when you looked at him. But guess what? Two mornings later, he walked out of the tomb completely restored physically. Besides for a few scars and his, his hands and feet where the nails were, you would have never known that that was the guy that was hanging on the cross on Friday night. Look at what 1 John 3, 2 says. It says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, when he comes back, we shall be like him. 
We shall be like him, completely restored to our youthful vitality. That's why it said we are always young in his presence. There are not going to be any old people in heaven, okay? So if you're looking for grandma, you better find her like high school picture, her wedding day photo, something, because you ain't going to recognize her, all right? And when I think about being restored, honestly, most any other time I've thought about that in my Christian faith, I've always really thought about kind of like the restoration of our physical body, okay? Because I'm an athlete, so like to me, that's like, oh man, to get to go and do the things I used to be able to do, like that would be so life-giving, so exciting. But remember, it said, we will be like Jesus in every way, inside and out, Okay? When we are standing in the presence of God one day, our bodies will be restored, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. Revelation 21, which we've looked at several times, tells us that in the kingdom of heaven, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The world will be perfect and we will be perfect. I want you to kind of sit for a moment and just think about the implications of that truth. The world will be perfect and we will be perfect. Because you see, I just, I, the other day when I was studying, I just took some time to just stop and think about that. And here's what I started to write. There will be no more grieving, no shame, no guilt. Nobody questioning our motives, no bitterness, no anger, no resentment. There will be no more doubting ourselves, no second guessing, nobody to impress, nobody to worry about what their opinion is of us, nobody to persuade, nobody to manipulate, nobody to control, and nobody trying to do those things to us. But it gets better. No depression, no anxiety, no fear, no OCD, no ADD, no bipolar disorders, no addictions, no trauma to overcome, no abuse of any kind, no reason to lie, no reason to deceive, no need to be a victim, no need to wear a mask to make yourself look better than you actually are. The jagged edges of our fractured hearts and souls will be made completely new. And the more I sat in this promise, the more I realized that the impact of the emotional and mental healing and restoration that we'll undergo is way better than the physical stuff. To be fully known fully loved, fully accepted, and, and fully in our right minds. And guys, as I was sitting in my office the other day and I was just writing this stuff down as the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me, I just started weeping. And it was like an uncontrollable, ugly cry. <laughs> and that ain't me <laughs> very often. But I was just sitting in my desk in my office just bawling to the point where it was just like, 
There was times like, I got to get control here, right? I mean, it was like I've tried to like dig back in and it was like, oh my gosh, because here's the thing, guys. Because I thought about the people I love who were burdened with so many things and I thought about them being free from that crap forever and it just wrecked me. Wrecked me. I was so happy that one day there was going to be a day where they weren't going to have to deal with that stuff anymore. So I cried when I wrote it. And then on Friday, and I came in and I typed it, I cried. And then on Friday afternoon, when I got up to practice it, I cried. I'm keeping it together this morning, okay? But man, God, it just makes you realize what an unbelievably gracious and good God that we have. We wreck the story, and he comes in and he rewrites it better. So let me ask you this. We're going to get vulnerable. What are you most looking forward to being free from? Never having to deal with this again. Ever. Yeah, Kelly. The need for control. Good. Oops. Yes, Tony. Self-doubt. Self-doubt. Okay. Yeah, Rob. Mm, shame. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, for sure. Who else? Yeah. Guilt. Guilt. Yeah. Anybody else? Man, for me, it's just selfishness. To never have another selfish thought. Because I can just want what I want (laughs) so much. Never have to deal with that again. And you know what I wrote down on my, my notes after I'd cried for a while? I wrote, come, Lord Jesus. I want it now, right? Come on, let's go. And then what I wrote next was this. Why are we clinging to this world so tightly? What does this broken place have to offer us, honestly? This is not our home. We will have an inner glory that matches our outer glory. And as Eldridge puts in his book, he says that we'll be fully integrated. We'll be whole. And here are a couple scriptures that remind us of our destiny. Check these out. This is Zechariah 9, 16, and 17. It says, The Lord their God will save his people on that day as the shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. (laughs) How attractive and beautiful they will be. Matthew 13, 43 says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, I got another question for you. And that's this, is what's the best version of you? I want you to to fill in this blank, okay? At my best, I 
what? At my best, I do these things, or I am this person, okay? Different people than the ones that just shared. Let's hear some from some new voices here. Who are you at your best? Yeah. Um, when I'm at my best, I'm not worrying about other people. I'm just, like, doing what I want to do, and then I feel like I can, like, serve my family better if I'm just, like... Not worrying about, like, the perceptions or expectations of yeah. other people? Okay, good. Yeah. When you're not trying to please somebody else. Yeah. Um, when I'm at my best, I'm doing the right things. Doing you're doing the right things? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. You're not angry. Okay. Good. Yeah, Brent. Um, I feel like I'm fully trusting. Mm. Fully trusting in leadership, my husband, God. Yeah, fully trusting. That's awesome. Yeah. Patient. Okay. How often are you at your best? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Do what? At peace? Okay, not trying to be somebody you aren't. You're just content, maybe? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm sorry, saying. And focused on the Lord. Yeah. Good. Man, for me, I think, you know, I think, I think, you know, when we're at our best too, like, I always think of like, it's just when we have, you know, the gifts of what, who God created us to be and the gifts that he gave us align with what we're passionate about. And like, wherever that place is, man, that's when we're at our best. Right? So for me, as a leader, um, I'm most passionate about kind of other people succeeding and kind of coming into their own. And so when I can invest in a staff person or a young person I work with with running, I can see them develop. Um, and like that's when I'm in my wheelhouse, man. That's, I love being that guy. So whatever that was for you, you at your best, can you imagine always being that way? always, and then being surrounded by other people who are always being the best version of them, always. It sounds like heaven, right? <laughs> and here's the thing, friends, that, that, that reality, it's going to happen, and it will last forever, right? I went back and watched The Sandlot clip the other day, right, with the kids going forever, right? It's going to happen, and it's going to happen. It's going to last forever. That radiance, that wholeness, that wedding day brilliance when you couldn't wipe the smile off of your face is going to be every day in the kingdom of heaven, every day. And I honestly thought about this week, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to contain my freaking self, <laughs> right? That much joy, that much pleasure, all the freaking time, holy cow, I can't even fathom that. I think that's part of the deal. <laughs> he wants it to be a little bit of a mystery, right? Right? 
Now, I want to transition a bit from here, and believe me, it's tough, because I'd rather just sit and talk about what we've been talking about for a long time, okay? Because the reality is, is that we're here now, right? Bummer, right? Plot twist. And as Justin talked about last week, is we have to live our life in the present, in our present circumstances, with kind of one eye here, <laughs> and, and one eye, like, focused on the promises of the next world, and as followers of Christ, we have to live in that tension, right? Because we're, we're here on this planet, but we're citizens of heaven. Okay, so we've kind of got this dual citizenship almost. So what are we to do as followers of Jesus until then? Because we were made for the Garden of Eden. But we're living in a world at war. And we all have this enemy whose job it is, especially for those that are followers of Christ, is to steal, kill, and destroy their lives, their relationships, their health, their joy, anything good. You have an enemy. I have an enemy that's trying to destroy that and trying to lie to you. So first and foremost is we have to believe and understand that we are living in a battle. We have to have battle mindset mentality when we go about our life with a very real enemy. And just like any battle, there's a mission to be accomplished, a goal in mind to achieve victory, right? When you watch war movies, right, they always have kind of the briefing room where they get all the guys together and they get out the maps and we're going to go and we're going to drop bombs here, here, and here, or we're going to go and we're going to take this hill. And, right, they're getting ready to explain the mission they're trying to accomplish to get the ultimate victory. So what is our mission? I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, it's page 935. So Jesus is kind of early in his ministry. He's been doing some things. He gets baptized, he gets tested in the wilderness, and then he comes back home. In verse 16, it says this, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This is Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So that's what Jesus came to do. That was his mission, the prophecy that he was here to fulfill, giving people a taste of the eternal kingdom, just a little sliver of what's to come in eternity. And what are we? Well, Paul says that as followers of Christ, we are Christ's ambassadors. As if God was making his appeal to the world through us. So as Christ's followers, we are called to that same mission to bring a taste of the kingdom 
to tell people that this world isn't all there is, that there's hope beyond the pain and the grief of a fallen world with fallen relationships, that there is freedom from the sin that has enslaved us, that there is light in the darkness, safety in being known and beautifully exposed by God's flashlight of grace. We're here to peel back the curtain between the two worlds for other people. We may not know much, but what we do know, we boldly share. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, for now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. What Paul's saying is that, guys, we only see just a shadow of what's to come. But guys, even the shadow that we can see is better than the clearest picture of this world on any day. Because everything that this world has to offer us has an expiration date. Everything. Everything. Money, fame, glory, marriage, our physical bodies that we're working so hard to keep in shape. All of it is going to end. His kingdom lasts forever. And folks, this isn't just good news for us. The folks at Wellspring Church or people sitting in any church in any part of the world, this is good news for everyone. Right? Right? And when we start to grasp how good this news is, our desire to spread and to share that with other people so that they can be in on the goods, man, that should, that should grow. It should be growing in us. Honestly, I was, I was sharing earlier, Summer's sitting right here. <laughs> She's a, a counselor, and I can't not imagine the hope that this inspires in her as she sits apart or sits across from just broken people, at least people that are willing to admit their brokenness, all right, day after day after day after day, <laughs> to never have to have another counseling session. <laughs> we should want this for people, man. So I'm asking you today, to whom are you proclaiming the good news? Are we preaching to ourselves first? Who are we helping to set free? Are we living in freedom? Who are we praying that God would open the blindness of their eyes? Are we blind? Who are we lovingly reminding about the love and favor of God? Are we receiving that love from Him? Guys, this is what I know is true. We speak of what we know. We speak of what we know. What we've experienced in our relationship with God, we speak of. Okay, because if we speak of things that we don't believe and we really haven't experienced, the listener knows it's inauthentic. They can see through it. We speak of what we know to be true. 
Are you letting yourself experience God's love, God's redemptive power in your life? In order to be an ambassador for someone, you have to be an expert in who you are representing. Have we claimed his promises for our own lives? If you haven't, it's really hard to share it with somebody else. Because Satan doles our passion to proclaim this good news by keeping us ineffective and distracted and indifferent in our own faith. And besides our desire to spread this good news of the kingdom of heaven and the restoration of all things, do you know what else ought to be growing in us? Our desire to worship the God that made this whole plan to begin with (laughs) and offered us this eternal gift at no cost to us. This is a God worthy of our praise, of our worship, of our lives. I want to invite everybody to stand as we close today. If you want to follow along in the Bible, we'll be in, we'll be in Isaiah 35. It's page 649. Or you can just close your eyes and just listen to me talk as well. Isaiah 35, starting in verse 3. Isaiah is talking about that great day when God will make all things new. He says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Come, Lord Jesus. Well, guys, we don't have to wait for that day to praise him. We can praise him for the promise of that day in the here and now because he is faithful. When he told John in Revelation, as John was writing in Revelation 21, when he said, John, hey, write this down, listen, hey, Tell him that one day I'm going to wipe away every tear. Tell him that one day there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away and behold, I am making all things new. 
And then he said to John, because John was probably just kind of sitting there bug-eyed and just like, wow. He said, write it down. (laughs) Why? Because God said, these words are trustworthy and true. Are we living our lives like those words are trustworthy and true? Do we believe it? And is it causing us to act in a certain way? to want others to experience it as well. I want you guys to just take a moment. I want you to bow your head if you would. Can you just thank him for something that he revealed to you today? And then can you just ask him to help you live into that truth and share it with others? Heavenly Father, God, we just are just so grateful and overwhelmed uh, by your grace. Grateful that you are a pursuer of us, even when we were far from you, while we were your enemies, while we were still living in sin, you came and you pursued us and you made a way for us. And you gave us these unbelievable promises that if we would follow you, submit our lives to you, that one day you were going to make all things right. And that, that if we can just be faithful to you in this short time that we're on earth, these brief few years that we have with you, that, that forever we would get the benefits of your goodness. It's an unbelievable deal <laughs> at no cost to us. God, I pray that the reality of the things that we talked about today would hit our hearts in a fresh, compelling way that would just inspire us to live our lives differently, to have a passion for other people to know this truth. God, get us out of ourselves. Help us to see the mission field. Your word tells us, God, the harvest is plentiful. You've already prepared people for your kingdom. Our role is just to go gather them up. Gather them up, bring them into places like this where we can encourage them and love on them. God, put us on mission this week, Lord. We thank you so much for your promises, Lord. Lord, help us to to live in the now and the not yet. (laughs) Right? Because when you came to this world, this broken and hurting world, it wasn't just all doom and gloom. You celebrated, you went to weddings, you you went to parties with friends. Lord, you you lived life here. Help us to understand the balance of, of finding joy in this place and bringing the kingdom and the joys of the kingdom to this earth so that people can experience a taste of it to make them long for what's next and want to know more about what, what would that be like every moment of every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.